Welcome to the Lowdown. Today's show, the Oilers with a big game tonight versus the LA Kings and the weekend losses weigh heavy on the fan base. You can reach us at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada, Apple and Spotify podcasts. After the fact, we also tweeted out on X. Text or call us at 1-833-401-1440. The Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for financing as low as 0%. Cash discounts and more on remaining 2023 Sierra Half Tons. Plus, cash discounts on remaining GMC and Buick SUVs. Wolf GMC Buick.com. We, of course, can be reached at Twitter, Low Tide, at Donovan Paulson, and at Declan Kruger. The trio is back. We, we went from a duet like Simon and Garfunkel, more to like ZZ Top. And we can do this for another, like, month or so. Is that right, Declan? I think so. We were, I think, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. The two of us were those right, three we guys. Right, because we're that talented. Yes, and yeah. then Donovan was young. Right. Which actually is apt. Well, Look what yeah, I'm doing he kind here. of is, yeah. you know. Uh one of us would have to sing like Graham Nash. I don't think we can get there, Declan. I'm probably the stills of the group, I would say. So you'd be you'd be Crosby and Nash. Okay, I'll take that yeah. only because I get to be Nash. Really, you Neil Young's my favorite artist, so it hurts me that young man over here. How was your weekend? Did you do anything exciting? Uh, well, I went to the uh, the good old Century Casino watch party with one heard Kevin Carius. All you got was just complete verbal lashing this morning because of it. I well, mean, it did you no good. Not even just this morning when I was there with, with Kevin there on, on Saturday. All he was doing was just belittling me the entire time. So. I felt like I wasn't wanted there and wasn't wanted here. So Kevin was just tearing me apart. I was totally... Totally just just saddened by Kevin's Kevin's That's tone called and, toughening you up. Yeah. No, yeah. Kevin uh See <laughs> <laughs> See, now I don't look so bad, do I? I'm a bit of a, you know, soft touch compared to Kevin. Yeah, no, you're uh, yeah. you're a treat to work with compared sure. to Kevin. Yeah. and he was just dumping on me on the morning show. <laughs> I know he was. I was doing a little bit of it too because he, you know, he wanted me to chime in. But that's called that's called becoming part of the group. We welcome you by absolutely, as my kids say, slay you, and that's what we did. So it's all good. Um, Okay, so there's so much to talk about today. There really is. Uh, our guest, Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph Podcast. Uh, Dennis Bernstein from Bernstein from the fourth period at 1220. Jason Greger will join us. We'll also have a Mama MMA from our friend Declan. Are you ready? To, was it a big weekend on MMA? Yeah, it was a decent little weekend. UFC Fight Night in Mexico this past weekend. A couple good matchups at the top of the card. Um, yeah, it was a good It was a good fun weekend. This this next one leaves a little, bit, little to be desired, but uh, I'm looking forward to it as always. I'm going to start today's show with a quote quote via my friend Daniel Nugent Bowman at The Athletic will be on the radio tomorrow. Um, but I'm going to read the whole quote, and I want both of you to react. Would you do that for me? Can you pay attention that long? Okay. That's possible, yeah. So Connor McDavid, who's 0-21 and 21 points, no goals in his last nine games with 21 assists, he said, I quote, I've decided I'm just going to see how many assists I can get. That's the focus. I'm not going to shoot the puck anymore. I'm not going to score any goals. No, of course I want to score score goals and I want to produce. So he said, I want to help the team and this team in any way I can, scoring as part of that. So my question for both of you is, number one, I think this is a sign that, that you know, when you ask him if he's not trying to score goals or whatever, you're going to get an answer like that. But I wonder, and I'd like to start with you, Declan, 
I think there has to be some kind of injury, right? Like he scored 60 goals a year ago, and he's not shooting as much this year, and it's down quite a bit. Injury? Got to be. Maybe. I'm not going to rush that. I haven't seen too much that's evidenced of that in um, anything throughout the season for him. My, My thing would be Hyman is playing at such a career clip that he's feeding the hot hand night in, night out. The line was firing on all cylinders, and I think he's better as a facilitator. I don't think anyone would... Facilitator? I don't think anyone would deny that. He Like, shooting is down. It is less, but I just wonder if a 64-goal season is an anomaly rather than the norm. And I know he can be a 50-goal scorer night in, night out, or season in, season out, rather. But I, like I said, I think he's better as a passer. I think he's better when he moves the puck. So I'm not too quick to jump on an injury train, but it may be possible. What about you? You know, you want to know a wild theory here? Well, this, that's what we're this after. May or may not be true. Uh, Connor McDavid is saving all his shooting for the playoffs to surprise <laughs> the goalies. I don't know if that's true. It's probably not. But uh, you know what? I'd like to hope that that's what he's doing. Uh, if he's injured, oh boy. Well, just to give you an idea about how much he's down by, uh, his shots per sixty, including all strengths, was eleven point five. Per 60 a year ago, it's 9.3 now. His shooting percentage was 18.2 a year ago. It's 11.9 now. And his goals per 60 was 2.09 a year ago. It's 1.1 now. So it's been halved. So I, I think that his, his, goal, his shots per 60 is down by two over 60 minutes. That's not dreadful or tragic. It's sort of in line with his past. But his, his shooting percentage at 11.9 is as low as any since his second year in the league. And he's usually around anywhere between 16 and 17. So it is down. I think injury might be a part of that. He did have an issue with his hand or wrist earlier. We'll see. And it doesn't matter if he gets back to dough around the playoffs. But I think all theories. My theory, injury. Your theory, luck of the draw, Declan, and his theory, saving himself. You don't think that's just potentially a cop-out because you haven't liked what you've seen? I love McDavid. I've okay. never been critical of Liked what you've seen shooting-wise, I mean. Well, no, I, 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 these are numbers. These are okay. inarguable facts. He is shooting right. less and he's having less success. And he's passing up opportunities to shoot in really good positions. But you don't think that can't just be because he's, you know, moving the puck at such an incredible rate? You think no, that? I, I think that, that sometimes players get into, like, even without noticing it, they, they get into sort of modes or tendencies and trends. I think that might be it. I think injury is possible. I think it might be luck. And and I the least likely, with respect uh, to Donovan, is that he's saving himself. Because we talk about, you know, his lack of you know shooting in the the shots per 60 and all that but he's on pace to have 11 more assists in his career high which by the way was 89 assists the yeah. second before that i well, think the, was 75 I don't, so. I, he's a very productive player yeah. i i mean i think he could win the scoring championship and i did not think that until recently he's killing it he has 21 points in his last nine games it's nuts how good he's playing but the anomaly is the goals the orders weekend was a disappointment and what I find interesting, I'm going to suggest to you that you no longer listen to men over 50. I can't say the same about women because I don't hear women being as outraged as men are over the Edmonton Oilers. But that was three games and four, back to back. They had the flu, at least some of them did. But anybody who points that out is an apologist. And there are times when reasons are actually reasons. And three and four and back to back, that's that's an actual reason. 
But what we've reached, I think, is a point, and I, I mentioned uh, the older fan group, because I think that fans who watched the 80s thought we were going to see a repeat of that, despite the fact that there's 32 teams instead of 21, despite the fact that back in 1984 you had genuinely subpar general managers for some of the teams, and now you really do not have that. And if you do, it's a very short period that, that inept people are running organizations. It's a tougher league to win in. And there's, there's a sense I get after Saturday, I was reading online on my blog and others where people were like, get rid of Stuart Skinner. Uh, you know, Hyman can stay, but the rest of the wingers have to go. Nuge is useless. And I'm like, these are not reasonable takes. These are not, these are not credible thoughts, and yet they are being spewed out. Why? Because people are angry. Because the expectation of the orders is that they should win five Stanley Cups during the Conor McDavid era. And I would go back to that. And I would suggest that was an unrealistic uh, idea based on all kinds of things, including the fact the Oilers weren't very good when McDavid got here. And the fact there are 32 teams. And there are other issues. Uh, some team, some players don't want to play in, in Canadian markets. There's the tax issue in Florida. There are other teams that are traditionally very strong that free agents like to sign with in along the eastern seaboard because travel is less. Edmonton has a very difficult travel schedule, just flying back and forth all of the time. All of those things are factors. Now, the Otis management has made some missteps. There's no doubt about that. But the idea that, that you know, criminal charges should be laid against management, and we're not far away from suggesting that, I just think if you know somebody who is that outraged by the Edmonton Otis performance in the last couple of years, last three, say, then you've got to let them go. Let them talk, but no longer carry the weight of their words with you. Because young people of today, I am, I am insisting that you enjoy this team. They're fun to watch. Some great teams in the past, the late 60s, early 70s New York Rangers, the Chicago Blackhawks of my youth, they didn't win a Stanley Cup. The early 1980s Minnesota North Stars never won a Stanley Cup. There are teams, the Philadelphia Flyers of the Lindros era and others, the prop era, never won a Stanley Cup. Good teams sometimes don't win Stanley Cups. It doesn't mean there has been a mortal sin committed. It doesn't. And when people start using the kind of verbal that I'm seeing where, uh, you know, I can't believe what was said on Saturday night after the game about Stuart Skinner. Did you see the bad passing that was going on? Get real. The first goal of the game happens because Evan Bouchard doesn't shoot the puck into the offensive zone. All he had to do was get it by the line of defense. But the other team, in this case Calgary, knows that the Oilers are prone to trying to make gorgeous plays, and that makes them an easy mark for the defense. It's kind of tied to Connor McDavid not shooting as much. The Oilers are predictable in a lot of ways, and they always go for the dangerous pass at ether blue line. The, the neutral zone is important for, against every team, but against the Oilers, the neutral zone and the two blue lines I love Leon. Leon has made 1,000 dangerous passes at the blue line. Absolutely dangerous passes. Did you see the intercepted pass the other night, Saturday night, I believe, that ended up in a clear breakaway? Stuart Skinner made the save. Nobody mentions that. But the reason the gaff isn't mentioned is because it didn't go in the net. The Oilers are absolutely ghastly at being responsible with the puck. And these are not 20-year-old people anymore. They aren't. 
And these are people who are highly skilled. And that means the coaching staff is telling them and they are listening for a period and then not listening afterwards. And let me tell you, the early 70s Chicago Blackhawks were wildly undisciplined. Bobby Hall would shoot the puck. It would ring around the boards, go out the other side. And the Oilers are looking like that. They are tired. I get it on Saturday night. They had three and four. But if you're Evan Bouchard and you want to win a Stanley Cup, get that puck deep. You have to. Because when you get behind early, that encourages the other side. Calgary's not a great team, and they won easily against the Oilers on Saturday night. We can talk about improvements. The Oilers need them. But they also need the roster as it is to buckle down and to do those boring things that everybody hates. I guess it's like eating your vegetables. And the Oilers just don't eat their vegetables. They want to make the great play. They want to make the great pass. They want to do the brilliant thing. Well, where does that get you? Oilers and Kings will be interesting because the LA Kings are a load. They've got a young man named Quinton Byfield who is emerging in real time. I think he's doubled his point total year over year. And he's fire. They got him on the third line. Andre Kopitar was minus six the other day against Buffalo earlier in the month. But his season is good. He is a, he is timeless. He is a guy who's playing like 20 years after he arrived and playing at a high level. Drew Doughty's on this team. Some really good young talent. Uh, I did want to mention that Elliot Friedman on 30 Thoughts, Thoughts the podcast today mentioned Luke Kunin and Anthony Mantha as being interest. Uh, the orders having interest in those players. And that tells me, remember one of the early interviews he ever did with Daniel Nugent Bowman, Ken Holland said what he does is he makes a list of players who would fit a particular need, and then he starts at one, two, three, goes down the line until he finds somebody he can acquire at a reasonable amount. I will tell you, my thought is that they're looking at Luke Coonan and Anthony Mantha, two things. Number one, they've gone down the list of left wing or right wingers who they like, and they're now kind of at least for now moving away from the higher end guys and that may tell you they're more likely to get Tanev or another right-handed defenseman based on that intel uh I wrote about Connor Brown on the weekend uh, sorry it's out today uh, at the athletic and I called the situation untenable because even though he's playing pretty well in goal and shot suppression it's on a depth line and he isn't scoring the goals have to come. He is in danger of being replaced at the deadline, whether that means he's going to go get traded or whether he's going to go into the press box or he's going to go to the AHL or get on waivers and lost to another team. I don't know. But Connor Brown's status as a regular does depend on some offense, and we're reaching a critical point. I was so impressed with Matthias Janmark and his fight. He scored like three goals in four games lately, but the fight that he took after the hit, Against McDavid, the fight that he took and the way he performed in that fight, you do not expect him to do that. And he's being rewarded today because he is on the second line. The lines are McDavid, Drysaddle, Hyman, Nuge, Kane, Yanmark, McLeod with Fogel Perry, Ryan with Holloway Brown, the usual D pairs, and Stuart Skinner. I'll start with you, Donovan. What did I say that you disagree with? Uh, I understand why Yan Mark's there after last game, but I, I don't know how that line's gonna gonna perform. Kane, Kane, Nugent, Hopkins, Yan Mark. It's I don't know. Uh, I guess it's worth a shot. He, I, I see him as the the placeholder till their inevitable. I feel like inevitable trade for a right winger. So let's see how it goes. At least you get to see Kane and Nugent Hopkins together. Mm-hmm. That's that's your positive. 
Yeah. But but Yanmark, I, I think he's just a placeholder. I wouldn't get too upset about it, but let, let's see how it goes. All right. What about you? Anything I said that you disagree with? No, but Donovan's point, that's the biggest thing to me. Like the way you shuffle that second line right winger, it, it's so clear that a top six winger, I think, is inevitable. Who it's going to be remains to be seen. But the fact that some nights it's Yanmark, some nights it's Perry, some nights it's whatever it may be, it just seems so clear that they're trying to see something, trying to find something that can stick for a little while. But there's no way this guy is your top six winger moving forward. Again, I like, I'm fine with the move. I think he's earned it. If you want to say that, he's earned the shot to play up there with Nugent Kane. Top line's going to do what they do, but clearly bigger things are coming, and this is a placeholder. I wonder why they moved Hyman up. I know he scores a lot of goals with McDavid, but you really become a one-line team, and that's what we're looking at here. Did you want to say anything about your favorite New York Ranger fighter? Matt Rempe? No. Oh, I just think he's I think he's digging himself a hole into a short... Uh, short uh, career lifespan. You know, you don't need to do this every night. Also, you can't be fighting every night. Like, you can't be fighting every night and, you know, have long-term health and have a long-term NHL career. So I, I just think he's digging himself into a bit of a hole that he doesn't need to. Um, As a boxer, it, do you like his style? No, he's, I look at him and I lick my lips. Like... <laughs> I mean, obviously he's six seven and on skates. I'm sure. I'm sure he would have his way with me, but that just so, closes his eyes, throws overhand rights. No, I mean, obviously you grab the jersey in hockey. You don't work off a jab, but no. Nick Delorier sent him to the shadow realm. He got his claw cleaned by a guy. He had like six inches on it. Looks like it so. Just, some scenes from Pulp Fiction may apply to this young man. A little bit, yeah, yeah. a little All bit. Right. I, I think he's going down a down a dark path. Well, uh, and I, I hope that I hope is a someone. Tough sport. I hope someone in the organization says to him, "Hey, you don't have to do this night in night out." We know you're tough. We know you're, you'll say yes to anybody. You don't have to go out there and fight 40 seconds into the game every time. You know, figure things out. Be a grinder in a different way. And then we'll, if, uh, if fights come, let them come. But you don't have to go out there looking for this every night. Because like I said, it's not conducive to a long career. On the way, Dennis Bernstein from Sirius XM, NHL Radio. And the fourth period, we're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline and about the LA Kings as well. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com. I don't know why it is, no matter how bad the day is, we had four trillion tons of snow. You play a Beach Boys song, you're instantly transported to summer, which I think we could all use from a mental health point of view today. Joined now by Dennis Bernstein, who follows and pays attention to the LA Kings for the fourth period in Sirius XM. How are you, sir? Doing great, Low Tide. Great to be on 1440 with you. Oh, that's very kind of you. Where are the trades, sir? <laughs> I, I want to wait. I, I'm waiting for March 7th and 8th, Low Tide. So well, I, 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 don't... I read you every day. I'm following everything. I'm, way, I'm, in, I'm on the edge of my sheet, seat. You, you, you <laughs> sell me the whole seat. I only use the edge. And, and <laughs> you keep telling me these things are good. And that's, I, the anticipation is too much. We need a trade. Look, we need ratings on March 8th is what we need. Okay. okay? So All right. the, Fair. the fact that the Lindholm and Monaghan deals went down and we're waiting and waiting and waiting, it's because there's too much parity in this league, right? And everybody, there's still probably 10 or 11 teams in each division, in each conference that think they have a shot. So I, I think it might go down to the wire here. I, I don't see another 
big, like the Gensel thing would be a big trade, right? Yeah. Or the Hannafin trade. I, I think it's going to go to the wire. I, I really do, because I think what happened by now, we're, we're less than two weeks away, and there has been inertia with respect to the trade market. So I just think there's a lot more patience by GMs this year. Well, and also there are things happening in the standings. For instance, L.A. hot as a firecracker, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. The teams they're chasing, Vancouver, Vegas, and Edmonton, all 4-5-1 and one in the last 10. So if my yep. math is correct, they've gained like six points here. Uh, in the last 10 games. And if you're the Kings, a win tonight and you leapfrog the Oilers, 70 points and you have like one more game played, but you're right there with Vegas. And who knows? It's not like Vancouver is setting the world on fire. LA could go very high. They could. Uh, but the thing is that the teams out of the dance right now, like a Nashville, like a Calgary, they're playing better as well. So you, it's not like the Kings can just focus on what's ahead of them. They have to look in the rearview mirror a little bit because they played Nashville last week. They lost that game. If, if they don't have a good road trip here, let's say they get two points out of three games, those other teams are going to start closing ground again. So, yeah, L.A.'s had a great opportunity in low tide. It's been like the Edmonton and L.A. seasons have been like mirror images, right? One team started crap. The other team started like they're going to win the cup. Yeah, then one team plays like they're going to win the cup. The other one you know, loses their coach. And so what does that result in? They're, they're right next to each other with, you know, 27, 28 games to go. So it's been a really intriguing season. Uh, with respect to the Kings, I don't expect a lot from them. Now, the one caveat is Victor Arbson going back on LTIR, which is really, really tough. This guy yeah. waited a year and a half to play, played three games. I, I don't think it's the same recurrence of a back injury. I've asked Jim Hiller about it. They, they didn't want to disclose what it is. I think it's more like a groin pill or, or something like that or a middle body injury. So he may be back, which would probably impede them from making a deal at the deadline. If he went to LTIR and he was gone for the rest of the regular season like they do in Vegas, they could probably make a trade. So you probably, you know, what you see is what you get with the Spectre the Kings. Maybe, maybe a scoring winger because they haven't been great, a great five-on-five team, even with the wins that they've gotten under Hiller. Dennis Bernstein, our guest, fourth period in Sirius XM. One thing I do love is the Kings have a lot of young talent, some of it emerging in a big way. Uh, Quinton Byfield, I think, doubled his point total in about the same number of games yep. already this year. And and he is, you know, when I why he scored a goal the other night. I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about. It was mm-hmm. it was size, it was brawn, but it was gorgeous speed, hands, creativity. It was everything. And from a man that big who's 6'5", 225, although I think he's more like 6'7", 240, uh, what a play by what a great young player. Yeah, that wasn't his first goal of the year, and I'll, I'll say that for a second. Yeah, and it was even more so because Zakharinsky, who's not a bum the last time I checked, went back to the bench and broke his stick over the uh, <laughs> over the bench. Now, we, we've had an Edmonton player do that in, in the last time the Kings and, um, and, and Oilers played as well. But it, it's interesting because I asked Quinton, because he had a, a power move in Montreal. Uh, it wasn't as spectacular with the stick handling as it was. Where it was a power move, blew by I think Matheson defense, and went to the uh, went to the cage and just you know finished. And I said, which is the better goal? He goes, um, the one in Montreal. And the reason he gave was it wasn't a better scoring play, but where it was, it was at Bell Center. It was you know at 7:30 at night, not at 10:30 at night. And he says the importance of it doing it in Canada. And you know, Quinn's pretty close to the vest with respect to his personality when he feels, but he, when he 
when he mentioned the fact that it was done at Bell Center and how and that made it a better goal to me, I'm like, wow, this kid understands. Look, he's already part of legacy, right? Because he's the highest player of color ever to be drafted in the NHL. But he understands the history of the game and why that was important. So it's really interesting to see. But yeah, this kid's turned to a star low tide without question. Right now, he's their best player without question. And you know, you wonder two to three years from now when he fully matures what he's going to be like. But it's been a great season. But it's been a season where he had to deliver because the first two weren't great last year. He scored, I think you mentioned he think had three goals in 50 games. So it's been a, not a revelation, but something that we've been waiting for in LA for three years. And sometimes with these players, you have to have patience. One player who has delivered and then delivered and then played a decade after he delivered and delivered is Andre Kopitar. <laughs> he was minus six on sometime in February against Buffalo. And yeah. But I look at his numbers. I looked at Puck IQ for he's playing against elites. He's very successful against them. He seems timeless. And that minus six stood out because it was such a you know an outlier. He is a great two-way player and has been for decades. What a player. Yeah. Well, everybody should have got a minus six that night because that was atrocious. That was the worst hockey game I've seen them play in probably – five years since probably every mistake wound up as a scoring chance in front of the, the goaltender. So it wasn't just Kopitar that night, but he is ageless and he's still playing almost not 20 minutes a night low tide. No. And he's a plus seven. So if you take out that one game, he's plus 13. He, he's asked to live it. He's going to try he's signed for two more years at 7 million, which gives the team a little bit of a hometown discount, but he's still their number one center without question. Maybe at some point, you know, Bothell's playing left wing. Maybe he does, you know, acquiesce to the top, the 1C, but at this point, uh, Andre still leads the pack. He's still playing great. And you mentioned the IQ. It, that's the whole thing. Like He is a brilliant player. He, he's rarely, rarely out of position. And yeah, he's never been the fastest skater. And at you know, 36 years old, he's still not going to be the fastest skater. But again, positionally, the smarts, he's certainly their leader still um, as they try to make the playoffs again. I love Arthur Kaliev's game. I saw him in junior, and he is a guy who is a pure scorer. He's got size. He has struggled to make the grade, but they've been patient with him. Uh, how has he looked, and is time running out for Kaliev in L.A.? Yeah, I, Lota, I think that this run, the end of the season and into the playoffs, is going to determine uh, Kaliev's future in L.A. It, it's just not working. Now, there was a reported trade demand because he has set out. He has been a healthy scratch for multiple games. And you know, here's the thing. He's a one-way player. He's got a great shot, but his shot's not even hitting the net. He's got six goals in 42 games. We keep waiting and waiting and waiting. He was more productive last year on the fourth line with Blake Lazat. Now... You probably see him tonight, although Jim Hiller changes combinations every three minutes the way he coaches this team, which is the opposite of what Todd did. But now he's playing with Byfield and Dubois. You should be able to get some goals. Yeah. You should be able to hit the net. So I would think if it doesn't work for Kaliev, the type of trade I would see is one of two things for him. Either part of a package to get an established player or go find another young player who, who hasn't gotten traction, like an Alva Wallstrom in, in New York or a Lucas Reichel in Chicago. That's the type of deal I would make. But this is a critical time for Kaliev. He has to start producing because he's not a great defensive player. He's not an assist guy. He's a goal scorer. He's got his, his, his puck. The puck's got to go in the net when he hits it. So if he doesn't, I, I think his future might be somewhere else uh, next season if he doesn't deliver here down the stretch. From Taylor Hall to Connor McDavid and beyond, Drew Doughty has absolutely wrapped up every great young Oiler forward uh, in the corner <laughs> or done something at the blue line. He has been a fierce force for Los Angeles. And, I mean, he's 34 and I, I think I saw him playing like 26 minutes a night still. Is yep. he like Kopitar? He just is timeless? 
Yeah, but he's different because the coolness of Kopitar, he had the passion of Drew Doughty. Like, he still loves to play this game. He's driven to win. He, you know, he's, he, when the team was rebuilding, it, it, it took the most out of him because he was used to winning, you know, uh, Olympic gold medals, whatever, two Stanley Cups. Yeah, he's played about 26 minutes tonight, but his game has been elevated. He's playing even more. I think he played 27 and change in the overtime win against, uh, shoot, I went against Anaheim. And his offense has returned. There's only four play, uh, defensemen in the league that have more goals than Drew Doughty this year. One of them is on your team, Evan Bouchard. Mm-hmm. But th- that's little that that's surprising. But yeah, he's still he's a plus ten. He's playing passionate, and now with Mikey Anderson out, which I'm sure some Oilers fans will be happy about. Oh yeah, um, he's going to be asked. He's going to be asked to do more. So I, I think you're going to see tonight probably 28 minutes, 29 minutes if it goes to overtime as well. So, but Drew's been really, really great for them, um, and there's been really no regression in his game so far. All right, so we'll wait for your trades. We'll keep reading the rumors, and thank you. You enjoy the game, okay? Always great being on Sports 1440 with your glow tie. Thanks for the time. Appreciate All right. it. There you go. Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period, Sirius XM. That was really good. We have to have him on again soon. I've, he might have had a voice that could rival yours. He's got a nice voice. He did. A, he had oh, a great voice. Very yeah. pleasant voice. He made me want to listen. No. Well, so you make me want to listen. Thank, I appreciate you that. Know, Thank especially you. when you're talking about boxers and oh, there we go. You know, I mean, we all have our preference of underwear, but boxers are good. The best. Are you? Are, you, are we all boxers here? What, what kind of underwear do we wear? Anyway, you know what? I'll uh, I'll wear anything or won't wear anything. Oh, <laughs> why does he do that? We had a perfectly reasonable mm. conversation, three adult males having a discussion about what's more comfortable, boxers or briefs. And you said, you basically said, you know, you could just go out there and. No, in all, in all honesty, I was just playing around. In oh. all honesty, boxers are the way to go. Don't you think, right? Boxers are 100% the way to go. Yeah. yeah. Especially at like daylight today. Do either of you own Stanfield underwear? I don't know what that is, so. Please explain. Uh, I don't. I'm going to say no. So is when, that a brand? Yeah, but when we were kids in Canada, everybody had every kid had a pair of Stanfield's underwear, and you basically because it was cold out, much colder than now, and you put it on, and then you put your pants and your shirt on, and you would go out in the cold and not die because long underwear was a thing. Mm, the long john, the old long john. Have yeah. You, do you have no long johns? Uh not anymore. No, I used to used to have a bunch of long johns for uh, for the the cold nights when I was a kid. But I also used to wear like those hockey under long john things. I don't know what you call them. Just the underpants for hockey. Leotards. Sh- sure, we'll call it a leotard. I I, uh, I don't know the definition of a leotard. I know it. Right. I know. Did what it have are, a flap on the back? Uh. No. <laughs> then it wasn't Long John's. No. So we know that. You think I'm lying to you. I'm not. I'm not making any of this up. They be, we, Everybody wore Long John's. You I, know? I'm sure they did. I don't, I don't know. You would uh, You'd know the time period better than I would. I'm not exactly uh, Doc from Back to the Future here. <laughs> All right. So we've gotten that out of our systems now. Uh, lots of comments from you. We will. We've got a loaded show today. Is this making the old man stay on task 
every t- every like segment has a guest. Is that what you're doing? No, there's just much to discuss today. Oilers game day. We obviously have our Monday staples, Mama MMA. Just how it went today. Busy so, day. like, are we going to do, like, I'm I'm going to do the CFL draft. I'm going to talk about it. Do you guys want to come along or am I just going to be solo on it? No, I'd love to be there. All right. So we're going to get guests. They're going to talk about the CFL draft. Perfect. And because, you know, the Elks have the number one pick. Yes, we should be do. on this. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have a better year this year. We're going to do things. It's going to be a good year. All right. So on the way next, Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph Podcast. I'm going to ask her about why there's so few trades happening. Ask her about, you know, if they're talking about Mantha and what's the kid out of San Jose that the orders are looking at? Uh, Luke Cunning. Yeah. If they're that far down the list, they must be about to acquire either a goalie or a right defenseman. We'll talk to her about that and more on the way. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Yes, we are secondhand news, but you get it here first. So it all works out. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com. That has to be like, from my generation... Everybody had that record. That record, Boston's first album. I'm not sure that today's gen has that kind of album. That is there is there an album that everybody owns from your generation, Donovan or Declan? Honestly, I have absolutely no idea. I would assume maybe some uh, some Drake. That that would be my my okay. first guess. Declan, any thoughts? Ooh, I was thinking. Yeah, Drake's probably up there. Maybe like. Maybe like 1989 by Taylor Swift. Okay. <laughs> right? All right. Yeah, I know he's that, not right? a Swifty. I trust you to give me know. the good info. I'm, t- I'm tuned in with pop culture. Totally. I know this one. You yeah. are. You're a man of the people. All right. We're now joined by Rachel Dory, Staff and Graph Podcast. Is there any record from your generation, uh, Rachel, that universally everybody had that album? Oh, man. Um I grew up in a household that listened to uh, ACDC and and that sort of era, but I feel like every single one of my friends, whether it was a guy or a girl, um, owned a Taylor Swift record of some sort at some point because either they liked it or they had a sister or a cousin or like whatever. It just felt like every single person knew Love Story or You Belong With Me. That was just kind of the thing growing up. So what what you're saying basically is that you had great parents. Anybody who has to listen to ACDC as a child has great parents. Oh yeah, I have fantastic. Like I, I'm my favorite bands are Queen, The Killers, and Coldplay. So, nice, nice. Uh, that's yeah, that's my thing. And I mean, I uh, I absolutely love Queen, and I'm kind of upset that I never got to see Freddie Mercury because I that's probably like the one. I would say band or um, artist that I would have done anything to see. I would have paid any amount of money to see. I was the first person and the only person in Maidstone, Saskatchewan, to buy Sheer Heart Attack because it came into the drug, the hard store, hardware store, and I bought it the first day. Uh, they were wildly popular, and you're right; they were a great band. Their music is is timeless, and I don't think we haven't really had a repeat of Queen, right? Like they're still kind of original. Yeah, Queen is is different, and I think if you think of it, I I watched the documentary uh, on Netflix, but I think when you think about Queen, Freddie Mercury paved the way for so many of the artists that we see today, and it was just okay to be outside of the box. And I I feel like a lot of people, including Adam Lambert, who's now the front man for the band, um, have given him the appropriate credit in saying, like, we couldn't do what we do 
if it weren't for Freddie. And so I think not only is it absolutely fantastic music, whether it's Bohemian Rhapsody or Don't Stop Me Now or We Will Rock You, uh, just the actual impact on the music and the uh, artist landscape was tremendous from that band. Rachel Dory, our guest staff and uh, podcast. The reason we can talk about Queen and other music is because there's no trades, Rachel. What's happening? Is, are they just waiting till the final hours? You can blame the Calgary Flames for that one. Um, everyone is waiting for Calgary to make their decision. And right now they're kind of... In the in that limbo, right? I think if they would have lost to Edmonton over the weekend in the Battle of Alberta, we might have seen some trades uh, today or uh, yesterday. And right now, they're still sort of in it, and they have all the shoes, right? They've got Markstrom, Tanev, and Hannafin, and even to a degree, Rasmus Anderson. And I think a lot of people are sort of waiting to figure out if those players are actually going to be available, and that's sort of what's holding everything else up, I think. And that's kind of the sense I get from talking to a lot of people in the industry. Rumors have the autos chasing Adam Henrique of the Ducks, Chris Tanev, obviously, uh, who you've talked about from Calgary. And then uh, this morning, I think it was Elliot Friedman mentioned, as far as wingers are concerned, Luke Coonan and Anthony Mantha, along with Gensel and everybody's interested, should he come available? Um, is there a best fit in the group of the rumored names? Is there somebody you like the most for the Oilers and think they would fit in best? Well, I think defense has to sort of be a priority for them because when Ekholm and Bouchard aren't on the ice, uh, it's not good. It's actually really bad. And so I think if you're going to shore up to really take a run at the Stanley Cup, I think you have to shore up your defense. And so I think acquiring a guy like Tana, which is going to be hard given that uh, he plays for Calgary. Um, I think that's going to be difficult. Failing that, if you can't shore up your defense, you've got to be able to have three productive lines. So I do like a guy like Mantha. If the price isn't too prohibitive, obviously Gensel is the guy you're going after because that's a real difference maker, right? That's that's a guy where you can have your first line of McDavid, Hyman, and whoever on the left side, and then your second line you can go Dreisaitl, Gensel, Nugent Hopkins even, and and that gives you a far more dangerous top six. And I mean, if you even want to get creative, you could put Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the third line and you give yourself three lines that are more than capable of scoring, whether you have Evander Kane and Corey Perry flanking him. I really think that would be a fantastic ad for Edmonton. I'm just not sure that the cost won't be too prohibitive. Should Ken Holland at least consider adding a goaltender? I know that, that you know, you'd risk losing uh, Pickard on waivers or whatever. Uh, maybe he could be included in the trade. I don't know. But is the goaltending good enough, or should they keep an eye out for a goalie if one comes available? I think that's an it-depends question. And I say it depends because that goaltender like the only way i see it making sense for edmonton to spend serious assets on a goaltender is if that goaltender's name is uc soros or something of that caliber i mean if you have the opportunity to get a difference maker a guy like uc soros i think edmonton should be all over that because the reality is is i think it's not a hot take to say that uc soros is better than anybody they've got in edmonton right now he's probably better than most goalies in the league in any given season. And so I I think that Edmonton probably needs to focus on shoring up their defense because right now, outside of Ekholm and Bouchard, it's a big problem. And you can't just be reliant 
on your goaltending, especially when you don't have a guy like UC Soros. So I think making life easier on your goaltenders, Stuart Skinner has proven that if you make his life not inherently difficult, he can backstop you. And so I, I don't think goaltending is necessarily as big of a problem as the defense is. But if a guy like UC Soros becomes available, I think Edmonton at least has to do the due diligence there and really take a look at it. The problem that they have, obviously, is Jack Campbell. And uh, I would have to think that he goes out the door yeah. in any level of goaltender trade that happens. Rachel Dory, our guest, Staff and Grab podcast and various other spots on the interwebs. Uh, why are the Leafs doing so well? I, I I thought when Riley went out, they'd go down. They did not. They look stronger. They're getting their goalie back. Um are their forwards so good they can outscore everybody, or are they? Is their system working well enough, and the defensemen are good enough to keep this rolling? There have been two main changes Sheldon Keith has made since the Riley suspension. It is there are changes that a lot of people I've spoken to quietly been discussing, and I've seen the fan base clamoring for it on Twitter. Although Sheldon Keith does not read Twitter, and bless him because that would be a bad idea in this city, but. The two main changes are he's moved Tavares to the third line and he's put Brody back on his proper side, on the left side, and he's paired him with Lilligren. And that Brody-Lilligren pairing has been nothing short of absolutely spectacular. And so that's a huge change because Brody was having just an awful season. And John Tavares is having a bit of a down season, but when you put him on the third line, he gets easier matchups. He's flanked by McMahon and Robertson, and they're able to use their speed and crash and bang. And so Tavares doesn't have to forecheck in the same way and he's able to find that open space in the middle of the ice because those guys can get the puck to him and now he's the one shooting the puck in a lesser matchup role and he's still good enough that he is going to win those minutes and so he's still getting his power play cookies but I think easing the load on both Tavares and Brody and putting Brody in a better position has really helped the Maple Leafs in terms of their depth because the Leafs went from having two lines to having three lines that are really dangerous and then a fourth line that is having some moving parts but is still able to not get caved in and, and win their minutes on most nights. And then on defense, you've got a pairing now that can actually play defense appropriately and you can allow Morgan Riley to go with McCabe or Benoit or whatever the case may be and roam a little bit more freely because Riley and Brody, I mean, we saw it against the Avalanche, when they were on the ice together, it was a hot mess express. But when they were not on the ice together, both of them were very good. Rachel, you've suggested in the past as an idea that maybe the, the Leafs don't, you know, go all in for once and maybe keep their powder dry and, and because the, the, there's some flaws in this roster and the flaws still exist. But are they playing so well it might be worth making a little bit of investment on this team at the deadline? They have, uh, they've changed my mind. Um, I think that the a couple of weeks ago, even a month ago, I was right there. I, I don't think they should push the assets in because I just didn't think they were good enough. But Sheldon Keith has shown that he can make adjustments and now three productive lines and um, a productive, really productive D pairing. I think if you can get a legitimate D partner for Morgan Riley, that gives you three productive lines two good D pairings and a couple of good goaltenders. And that's a recipe for success. So I don't think they should be going willy nilly and trying to get Jake Gensel or anything like that. But I think if you can get a Chris Tanev, that's absolutely somebody that they should be looking at. 
I think they got one big move that they can do, and that's probably the best one is to find a partner that can play with Morgan Riley so that they can leave the Brody Lilligren pairing and continue to roll those three lines. Final one. Since the 1st of uh, January, Connor McDavid leads the NHL in points, but he's not scoring. He's not shooting as often, and they're not going in as often. My guess is a little bit injury, but shouldn't a player at at least some of the time as a way to keep opponents and goalies off balance and uncertain shoot the puck to kind of use that in the arsenal and have them know that they might have to defend that? I feel like generally my answer to that question is yes. You want to keep a guy off balance, and that's sort of something we've seen from some other players. Mitch Marner's uh, improved shot has helped him score a little bit more. With Connor McDavid, though, it's different. That guy is just so good that it it doesn't matter. You could know he's passing the puck, and you're still not stopping him. And we've seen that. He's got the most – he has more assists in February than I think 95% of the league has points, and that's extremely crazy to think about. And so, yes, should he keep them off balance, it would be good. I think those pucks are going to start to go in. He hit three posts against Minnesota. So it's not that he's not getting his scoring chances. I just think he's having a little bit of tough luck right now. And the fact that he's still nearly two points a game is kind of nuts. It just shows that um, even though – the pucks aren't going in for him from a goal-scoring perspective. He's still an unstoppable force. And try as you might to keep him at bay, you're not very good at it no matter what. And if he starts scoring come playoff time and keeps that assist trade moving, I wouldn't want to see Edmonton in the playoffs, that's for sure. All right, Queen forever. Thank you, Rachel. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Rachel Dory, Staff and Graph Podcast. Now I'm going to have to go listen to Killer Queen. Do we have that song? Could we play that out of the break? We could play that out of the break. Okay, that's I'm, such a great song. Uh, looking forward to that one. Big fan of uh, the album Sheer Heart Attack. I think it had Keep Yourself Alive on it. Of course, Declan would know that. Big, big song. All right, so we have, on the way, we have Hockey Rumors, we have Jason Greger, and we have Mama MMA. It's another jam-packed hour of radio. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440, and it's time for an update.